Hey y'all, welcome to Big Facts No Cap, the only show that's number one with fans of the movie Eat, Pray, Love, and everybody who does the intro off the cuff. Let's get into it. Big Facts No Cap Big Facts No Cap No Cap Big Facts No Cap Big Facts No Cap No Cap Big Facts No Cap No cap. Right back at it. Right back at it. To the grind. Hustle and grind. You know us. Do you think anybody can tell that we're using these uh, 24 karat gold microphones that we got from Spotify? <laughs> Adrian, we clearly are keeping it humble. We're keeping it to our roots. Hmm. We got worse microphones than <laughs> we usually use. <laughs> I am recording this sitting on my solid gold toilet, but in a humble the, sort of way. The one major stipulation in our contract. <laughs> it's not even comfortable. I'm not going to lie. It's like that. It's like what it's always cold when you sit on it. I got pure silver because I know it has antimicrobial properties. Mm-hmm, that's why it kills um, vampires. Dracula's werewolves. werewolves. Wait, <laughs> what, are your, what were your first two guesses? <laughs> Uh, n- nothing. I-, I I know Dracula's a vampire. It was a mistake. Uh huh. Uh huh. Whatever. You probably you probably don't even know that it's actually Frankenstein's monster. I didn't. Is that a thing? <laughs> Could you imagine if somebody had never heard that from uh from somebody had never been corrected on that before? What a what a blessed life they would have lived. Did you ever read Frankenstein? Ah, uh, no, I didn't. We read it in uh, IB English. It was all right. Mm. The book's actually called Shelley's Monster. <laughs> that's true. That's what they. That's what the reviews called it. Ayo. <laughs> oh my god! Can you imagine if somebody did the modern review thing where they like do a twist on like what the main thing is, and they were just like, "This sure was a monster of a read." <laughs> uh, what, let's talk about stuff you care about. What's what's been going on with you? Nothing. Oh, really quick. Did you watch any more of uh, John Mulaney on SNL? Oh, I watched, uh, yeah, you, you sent it, you said it was funny, so I watched his uh, SNL monologue. It was funny, yeah. It was pretty good. Um, and then he was also on Mike Birbiglia's podcast. He's really doing the rounds. And uh, uh, so the, the whole context of it is uh, Mike Birbiglia is talking to John about a stand-up set that he sent to him. And he was like, John, do you ever, like, did you intend to, like, keep the Florida-specific bits that you do for, like, the first 15 minutes? Because they're better than, like... 90% of the Florida bits that I've heard. And he was like, no, that's just stuff for the audience. But if you want to hear a good example of that, Cat Williams' new special, like the first 30 minutes are all about Jacksonville. And I was just listening to it in the other room. And I was like, peeking, I was peeking back in being like, is he still talking about Jacksonville? And it was like stuff that was so specific. He was like, that Jacksonville sun, you know, it ain't like any other sun. And I was like, really? The sun? <laughs> just John Mulaney's like bewilderment, but love for Cat Williams' latest special. <laughs> And the way he talks, uh, he does crowd work on Jacksonville for so long it was so funny to me. Oh, uh, dude, I, I I saw Cat Williams' newest tour. So, oh shit! How, how, um, how much did he talk about Charlotte? He actually did. Yeah, I think he does that in every city. Wait, he was probably he like that's Charlotte's son? <laughs> like it's so many words. Oh, I can't remember, Sean. If you're listening to this episode and you remember, Sean went to see it with me. So if you remember, let me know. Uh, every neighborhood in you- Charlotte is like it's named after a soap opera. <laughs> It was good, too. Like, Cat Williams, it, it wasn't, like, as good as his 2006 through 10 run, but yeah. it was still really fucking funny. Yeah. 
Um, I will say a lot of openers. I saw like ten people open. <laughs> Damn. Okay. That's. I mean, that's that's kind of cool. He had like three pre-openers and then like four openers. <laughs> How late is he going on? <laughs> pretty late it's like a battle rap event it starts at 1 p.m so they can do the headliner (laughs) at 10 um i like when you reference battle rap like that's something other people can relate to you know that at least 10 percent of the audience of this show are battle rap bands it's like a classic rojo for you right there they you know the bathrooms are always crazy you always meet the weirdest people in the bathrooms that's relatable I like that. That's like the Jacksonville <laughs> Sun bit. Like, I, I don't get it, but I get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> this ain't my first rodeo. This ain't my first rodeo. Do you want to see my new character? It's a guy who's trying to fake out the fact that it's, it is his first ra- rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you mean he has been to rodeos? He's and never he's been to a f- rodeo before, but he wants other people to believe that it's not his first rodeo. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're trying to ride the bull for as long as they can without falling. It's not my first road, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, any, like, uh, roundup for, for what I did this week? Yeah, go for it. Oh, you, you look. can I point out that it looks like you got a, a fresh new cut? Your hair's looking good, man. It happened today, yeah. I finally was able to uh, get a, an appointment scheduled this morning. Uh, and all of, almost all of the uh, dyed parts are gone, so it's back to black, baby. I don't know if it's the uh, cut or the new glasses, or maybe you've lost a little weight, but you're you're glowing, Adrian. Thanks, bro. I'm, I'm liking. It could be the tan from Guatemala. A little bit of that. Ooh, I think so. Maybe because I what I do want to describe it as a glow. Maybe that was my mind censoring the maybe more it's the racist. Fact that someone's pregnant. <laughs> a little radiant glow. <laughs> big facts, no cap. Is having a baby. We're having a little big facts, no cap pod. We're having a little cap. A little pod. Little Get pod. It because it's a podcast, but also pod. Is, you know. Whatever. I do like that. Uh, let's see. I got a couple of things. Uh, on Sunday, I went to see the old Nickelodeon, the old art house theater in Columbia uh, with Phil to go watch. Uh, they did a, like a two hour block where they just showed all of the animated Oscar shorts just back to back. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. all except for one of them were, were like really spectacular. The last one sucked. Uh, the one from Spain. But uh, Robin Robin. And uh, the Russian, I don't know if this is a good time to talk about how much I like the Russian one, but <laughs> that's probably my top pick. Uh, and then the one from Chile was uh, so disturbing and such a fun thing to watch with like a South Carolina crowd. <laughs> um, what what what's what was the thematic like? What made it disturbing? Uh, so it's uh, called Beast, and I didn't know until afterwards. I kind of had to look it up, but it tells the story of when after the U.S. Uh, couped uh, Allende in uh, Chile. Uh, when mm-hmm. Pinochet took over, it uh, documents a woman who worked for essentially like the equivalent of like the FBI in Chile. Uh, so working for an authoritarian government, she God, this trigger warning for people, but uh, she used dogs to like sexually uh, torture women that were like deemed to be dissidents of the government. Um, so it's about her relationship with the dog and how much it eats away at her. And so. Like the part where she has a dream where she kills the dog and the audience is like, no, that's a good old doggy. No, no, don't hurt that doggy. <laughs> um, I, I like the politics. I like your politics, but I don't know why you have to be mean to a dog. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just about how fucked up that was and how like, I, I guess it wasn't like sympathetic. It was like, that's a fucked up person. And I, I, this is my representation of what it must be like to have to do that and to be a part of that. Um, and dude, the ending is the most harrowing part because they show like 
it's all claymation and obviously it's an animated uh block or whatever but yeah they show like the real picture of the house she used to go to and they showed a real picture of one of the dogs and i was like even without knowing the story i was like i could tell that's some like ominous stuff um the russian one was just this really beautiful no dialogue uh just music uh love story between a ballerina and a uh, boxer Highly recommend if you can find that. And then Robin Robin's on Netflix UK, or at least it was produced by Netflix in the UK. And uh, it had real strong Paddington vibes. So it was obviously the most highly produced and it's also the longest. So I could probably see them winning it. But uh, Bestia and uh, Boxer Ballet or Ballet Boxer. I can't remember what it's called. Those are also pretty, pretty, pretty dope. Uh, okay, so real quick with the other stuff. I did a skit with Phil at Art Bar yesterday that went really well. And that was really fun. Definitely the highlight of the week. We maybe got a video of it, so I don't know. People who know us personally, keep a lookout to get a video of it. We'll see how well it turned out on film. Hey, the Big Facts No Cap family, we got to start putting up uh, clips on our YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, that'd be good for the uh, YouTube channel. Um, I watched Your Name. It was really good, and I think it would actually be a good intro for people who don't really care for anime. It's uh, definitely a movie with like a very accessible like Western-style plot. It's, uh, it's Freaky Friday, but... Oh, that's for cool. two Japanese teenagers. Wait, are they like complete opposites? Is it like a wife swap thing or what is that? Uh, yeah, there, there's a rural girl and a city boy. Mm. And they both, well, actually the city boy doesn't really want to live a rural life, but she wants to live in the city. So <laughs> it's he's a just... really pro city. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. He just kind of wound up in all of it. <laughs> yeah, he wound up in her dream to get yeah. to live in the city. As a boy, too. Yeah. That's cool. Obviously, she does a better job uh, hitting on women than he does. Mm, ain't that the truth? They have a, uh, spoilers, I guess, if you care, but they have this running gag throughout the movie where the more he gets to know where he's like, I'm not going to film up my own boobs because I respect her too much now. And then the next scene will be him groping himself. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty. I guess that's both Western and Eastern sensibilities there. <laughs> I think that's universal. Cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm giving a guest lecture tomorrow at a for some kids at Dartmouth. So, what are you gonna teach them about? Uh, they're doing their current lessons on like social communicate communication, and so they're gonna ask me a bunch of questions about social communication in my research. So I'll get mm. them either tonight or tomorrow morning, and then I'll just respond to all of them. What if they misunderstand that it's about, like, bees and, eco- and ecology, and they're just like, how do I talk to a girl, Adrian? I think I could give good advice on that, too. <laughs> how do I socially communicate? I'd be like, hey, yo, I'm not just stealing from, like, a Nickelodeon show back in the day, but compliment a girl, and then just walk away. <laughs> the Drake and Josh <laughs> method, baby. <laughs> I cite that as Drake and Josh 2014, as if it's, like, a study. <laughs> <laughs> that comes from Peck and Bell 2004. <laughs> Um, no, it's a sensory ecology class, so they know it's about animals. And they're smart kids. I should probably stop calling them kids. They're undergrads. I think, I think some of them have probably checked out for most of the semester. It's online. COVID has these kids all sorts of loopy. Mm. They're probably just doing whippets and going to the dormitory bathroom to have sex parties. Wait, what? What? (laughs) Was that not your (laughs) undergrad experience? No, I mean, it was. I was just shocked by how accurate your description was. It's like, you know, some things just don't change. All right, you want to get into the theme? Oh, oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Really quick, though. One last little roundup thing. I went to a party, um, and it was hosted 
by a guy who like actually used to own a restaurant in Colombia. And so the spread that he put out, dude, holy shit, dude, it was not only that, but like it was in waves. Like we came in and there were snacks, pimento cheese, chips, artichoke dip, a charcuterie board. But then throughout the night, he's like fucking making fish sandwiches. And then in the second wave, he puts out chicken biscuit sandwiches. And then he breaks out the uni oven to start making pizzas, dude. It was, uh, I mean, it was a small little like intimate gathering. It was fun. But like, dude, the food at that party was uh, pretty busting. I like now that we're just telling people when we have good meals. <laughs> I was like, dude, I was honestly impressed. I've never At a had... place that other people can't go, not like check out this restaurant. Just I had a good meal at somebody's house. <laughs> Didn't you also tell a story about going to a party? <laughs> when? About the person who does like the drink, drink parties or whatever, where they make like shots in like a uh, test tube or whatever. Yeah, but that was cool when I did it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hey, Adrian, I don't like to be proven wrong. Ooh. If I like to be proven wrong, I wouldn't I wouldn't have a podcast where I just assumed you'd agree with me on most things. Damn. Uh, all right. Now I'm ready to go into the episode's theme, which I feel like that's a good segue into the episode's theme. At least part of Eat, it. Eat, pray, love. Yeah. Uh, the pray section is really more like a vacation section, right? I've never seen the movie, but I think in that one it's like, Italy or France as E and then uh, India yeah, is pray. Yeah, like yeah, went to like Nepal or something, went to like a meditation camp or whatever. Yeah. Um so I guess love is probably just like whatever city she's from or does she meet someone abroad? Yeah. So we're not this is not based off the movie. I haven't watched the movie, not because it's a considered like a feminine movie, just because I haven't watched most movies. So that's kind of how <laughs> that the statistics true. work out. I think- <laughs> <laughs> I think most people haven't watched most movie most movies. Especially if you consider like all people past, present, future, like small minority have seen Eat Pray Love. <laughs> <laughs> um I've also not seen Eat Pray Love. So we're really basing this off more as a phrase than how it resonates with us. How do you feel about Eat Pray Love versus Live Love Laugh? I was just about to ask you about that, because that has more of a uh certainly more of a recent thing, I feel like. Uh yeah. And uh, I feel like it has similar connotations. And, uh, you know, historically, this podcast has, has gone after this marginalized group. And so I don't want to go hard on eat, pray, love people. You know, I think it's a it's a cool phrase. It's a good motto for sure. If you're living by it. I feel like we should combine them because I like eat and laugh from both lists. Mm. So eat, well, laugh. That's just David what? Buster's. So, play. Eat, play, laugh. Oh, wait, play isn't in either of them. Eat, pray, love. Well, if you, I don't if really you change that pray around a little bit to make it a little bit more secular. <laughs> I don't really like praying or loving. Uh, live, Whoa, love, laugh. You don't like laugh. loving? <laughs> I don't like loving. Damn. I'm a hater, you know that. Mm. Um, okay, so I think they both have love. We're knocking that one out. So I think I have to go with live. So it's eat, live, laugh. Eat, live, laugh. It doesn't have a great ring to it, but... But I think it's a better list of things to do than either of the other lists. Yeah, yeah. What about wash, rinse, repeat? (laughs) (laughs) Do we want to put any of those in there? (laughs) I don't think that fits into, like, (laughs) the family of sayings. I feel like it fits the formula. No, nobody has that up in, like, block letters above their, like, fireplace. I could could see a trendy salon having that up on, like, a (laughs) wood-burned thing (laughs) in their salon. 
Okay, you thought of the one circumstance where it could happen. (laughs) And I think they deserve to have their say in this conversation. I don't think salons repeat. I think they do one really good lather and one really good rinse. I don't know what's going on. As someone who just got washed today, I will admit that that is true. They just do one very thorough lather. But let's talk about stuff you do know about, which is eating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love food, buddy. Hey, tell you what. Hey, I was just eating earlier today. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. You know, I think a lot of times when you see, like, those really outlandish, crazy, like, I'm the 10th dentist type posts on the internet where it's like, this is my most controversial opinion. A lot of them seem like they're just the most, like, anomaly of anomalies or they're made up. But the one that I know for sure is real and that really gets me is the people who are like, I don't understand it, like, enjoying eating. And, like, I hate that you have to do it multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. People who are like, I just eat for nutrition. I don't really yeah. like. And I know, I, like, it's a real thing. I know a person who felt that way about food. Yeah. I, it, it's really hard to not feel like they're kind of soulless. I, I mean, I know they I know mm-hmm. they have souls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's very hard. All I'm to saying not, is, like, if you're like that, you shouldn't be allowed to vote. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you shouldn't be able to hold public office. All right, praying. Do you do you do a secular version of praying, Adrian? You ever like look up to the sky or to fate and just ask it for something, even if it's not a religious bend? Uh, I I don't really do any of that, to be honest. I mean, if my mom's watching or something, I'll sometimes do like the Catholic little thing or whatever because she thinks it's funny. But that's about it. Oh, by the way, Happy Ash Wednesday to you. <laughs> I'm a great Catholic. Uh, I wouldn't got that ash right on my forehead. Let people know I'm humble. Uh, what about you, Paul? What are you uh, What are you praying on? Mm, I do pray. Yeah, um, mostly when I want something and I feel like a, only a supernatural force is going to give it to me. Uh, I remember I had a, had a teacher in high school who, because I was a part of her like pseudo philosophy class that we took for the program I was in, she knew very well about all of our personal beliefs. So whenever something was happening that she would tell us where, like, it was a bad thing, she would always say, so yeah, if you pray, pray for these people. If you don't, just think about them or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I think that really shows how equally effective those two things are. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, 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 Adrian. I feel like prayer is one of those things where people have done, like, studies to try to prove that it works or Mm -hmm. something. Um, I'm sure. Let me Google scientific study does prayer work i'm kind of interested what comes up <laughs> okay and i'm not google scholaring this this is google google scientific study does prayer work Ooh, wikipedia actually has an article on the efficacy of prayer but let's skip that uh i want to go to something that's okay let's do psychology today that seems Ooh, okay the answer is yes and no. Shut up. It depends on the context. What if the conclusion was it only works if you pray for vindictive things? <laughs> <laughs> what if the conclusion was it only works but if you're Mormon? <laughs> <laughs> you have to be pure of heart as Mormon. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. All right, you want to move into love? Yeah, let's do it. What is there to say about love? What is love? Uh... Throwback to my media roundup. That was the central thesis of the terrible Spanish animated short. Um, It was all about love. And by golly, can I tell you how much the boomer ass audience of the Nickelodeon loved the scene where it's two young people swiping on like a Bumble like app and they see each other like just not even knowing that they're right next to each other at the grocery store because they're so sucked into their phones. And so they match and they're like, oh, 
And then they both like decide to click the button that says keep swiping. And they're like, whoa, mind blown, bro. Isn't that so accurate about modern life? Why is somebody on a dating app at a supermarket? What a weird time to be swiping. <laughs> that sums up like part of what, just like my kind of general disgust, not disgust with that movie, why I thought it was just so trite. The next one was that they were both on a roller coaster, and that's when they decided to swipe, and they didn't even realize that they were one carriage apart. Yeah. And they weren't even enjoying the roller coaster because they were so sucked into this little box that holds their whole life inside of it, bro. Mm-hmm. Mm. The next one was that... They were in a hot air balloon, and they were both swiping. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't even realize the person realize. right next to them. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so paul any uh any any general thoughts on love that you want to bring up up top mm. do you think love is a very do you think because we have a word for it it's a very real and distinct thing from just liking someone a lot or do you think that we think it is because we have another mm. word for it I don't think we have enough words for it. We got to bring in those like Greek words of like platonic love or whatever, like Socratic, Socratic love. That's not one of them, is it? But do you think it's genuinely a different, like, do you think there's a different hormone for like loving a sibling than just a friend you really, really like, but you wouldn't use the word love for? Mm. Do I think that the chemical mechanisms at play are different? Yeah. Or do you think love is just a very intense version of liking like you just have liked a person so much that now we say it's loving them I, the only real theory that i subscribe to is that i think it's more of like a three part thing where it's um uh like it love it gotta have it those are i think that's kind <laughs> of like and i think those are all regulated by different uh you know uh, uh regulatory systems I mean, people, I guess the thing that immediately disproves me is how often people say, I, I don't love you and I don't like you anymore, but I still love you. Mm. I don't mean to me. I mean, I was about to say, I'm like, is a lot of people say that to you? <laughs> I think what distinguishes it for me is local comedian Dirty D's catchphrase, I love you, but I'm going to talk about you. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I have no That's strong a- theories about this. <laughs> what what do you what do they say that catchphrase like what they're like the craziest thing happened at my favorite uh Chinese takeout place and I told the waitress I love you but I'm going to talk about you. No, I think this is kind of the distinction you're making earlier. I don't think he's telling the Chinese <laughs> <laughs> restaurant's waitress that he loves her. I think it's more of like now my auntie, I love her but boy when she drinks she gets crazy. And you know what? I tell her I love you but I'm about to talk about you. <laughs> Is she, in the, is she in the audience and she's like, oh, you did say that. You did say it. <laughs> she, she's like, I can't be mad about this. Um, all right. Polly Boy. Mm-hmm. You ready for this column about eating? I am ready. All right. So this is the takeout, which is should be familiar to some of our listeners. Uh, this is the salty waitress uh, from the takeout. Um, and I chose it because, as I'm sure Paul knows, but I'm not sure most of our audience knows, uh, it follows the narrative arc of uh, kind of like a side arc, a B plot of one of the seasons of my favorite show, Bored to Death. So let's uh, let's get into this. This is Ask a Salty Waitress. This farm to table restaurant is a scam. Dear Salty, I'm mostly writing to you to get this off my chest. I've been a bartender for over 10 years working at a fancy farm to table restaurant. 
the type of places that pride themselves on using the whole animal, nose to tail, small local farms, ingredients that are in season, etc. I recently left a very popular restaurant in the liberal East Coast city that broadcasted those values very loudly, including a serving a farmer's market vegetarian menu every Monday. The problem was all of the vegetables came from the gargantuan local wholesaler Russo's, and we served the menu even in December through March when our local farmer market shut down. I found a case of commodity ribeyes in the walk-in, the same ribeyes that we were selling as grass-fed. I now work down the street for a restaurant that walks the walk, that sells responsibly sourced ingredients, that brings in the rancher from Maine, that raises our beef, and buys fish only from New England fishermen. So it kills me when we sell a steak or a fish for the same price as my former employer, when his chicken is factory farmed, his fish is from New Zealand or Scotland, and we are doing our best to buy local, sustainable producers. It's breaking my heart that my current employers are operating on thinner margins while my former employer co-ops their values, the quality of their ingredients, to sell commodity and host wholesale shit. Our guests have no way of telling the difference, though our Yelp reviews and our open table reviews show at least a little understanding of the difference between the guys selling high-quality local ingredients and those just saying they do. What should I do? I'm tired of restaurants buying the same old commodity products and faking that they're local. Thanks. Actually shops at a farmer's market. P.S. I trust that you will understand that broadcasting my personal information will make it impossible for me to continue bartending in the places I work if I become known as a narc. All right. Wait, why would he lose his bartending job for complimenting his current employer as Walk of the Walk? I think it's like a, it's a zero policy, like a <laughs> zero tolerance policy, no snitching. You, you think you get blacklisted from the whole industry. Like the town is like, even if it helps us as a restaurant, we're loyal to the restaurant industry. If you want me to give you my real take on that, I think it's because probably every restaurant is doing something shady in one way or form. And so yeah. there's going to be no perfect restaurant that's going to be like, oh, we got no skeletons in our closet. Like, all of our stuff is clean the right way every day or whatever. Before Reply All imploded, the story they did on SQRL, um, either San Francisco or LA, I forget where they're from, uh, brunch place that had moldy jam was hilarious. The hipster bunch, the hipster brunch place that sells like overpriced jam on toast had moldy jam. It's their employees like took pictures of it and posted it online. It was just like in what looked like a painter's bucket and it was just full of mold. And apparently they were instructed to scrape off the mold and just serve the jam. Oh, that is gross, dude. I was about to say like the thing about the painter's bucket isn't that crazy. That's just like restaurant industry. When I worked at Tokyo Grill, we would make the sauces in the same thing. And I remember finding a moldy batch of ginger sauce because it did not sell as quickly as the white sauce. And that was something where I didn't have to consult a boss directly. So we just threw that straight out. But the part you just said about scrape, like that happens so often in so many restaurants. It's so gross. For me, it's like an ignorance is bliss type thing. Like when whenever you first learn as a child that like, hey, you shouldn't take the lemons from like the whatever, like they never wash them properly. And at a certain point in my life, I was like, ah, I kind of like the flavor, though. I'm just going to risk it for that biscuit. <laughs> Uh, the lemons from, like, the little ice thing next to the sweet tea. Yeah, if they ever have that, or if they ever serve you, like, a a tea with a lemon, they're like, don't, don't put it in your drink, it's nasty. It's never been washed correctly. I don't know if that's true, but I guess they have. Uh, uh, is this something where it would be considered libelous? I heard Ink and Ivy, well, very famously, they actually had a pretty bad health code rating, um, in Charlotte, but then I heard from somebody who had at one point gone into their basement where they did the food prep and they were like, yeah, I see why <laughs> they, it's real nasty and dank down there. 
I, so what sort of advice do they want? How to out this business? How to deal with it themselves? This question is just generally, what should I do? What should they do, Adrian? Uh, oh, well, okay. Like, like I said, this is a, a little B plot in, uh, I think season three of Bored to Death. Um, and it kind of mirrors the situation really well. Like the whole thing about how a lot of people can't tell and like his enemy's restaurant where they're like, no, no, no food is sourced from anywhere 30 miles further out than like where our restaurant's located. And there's like a reviewer who talks about the food and he's like, you can taste the farmer's hand that like picked the vegetables or whatever and how much like people are duped by it. The way that they solve it in the, in that show is that they just follow his like little henchman around who's played by John Hodgman. Uh, and then they just like take pictures of him, obviously buying the food from like the local supermarket. So if you wanted to do like a cool little spy thing, you could do that. Oh, so, but, okay. So you want them to out it and do like a gossip girl thing where they set, where they send it out anonymously to everybody with the info that it was outed so they don't lose their job as a bartender. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I mean, would you not take matters into your own hand, vigilante justice style? Yeah, I am very passionate about people who lie about farm to table. Mm-hmm. I I would probably take it too far. I would I would definitely go a little. <laughs> I would burn the place down. <laughs> I would show up in a fully armored mech suit and just start firing missiles at them. Mm-hmm. It's a restaurant that he used to work at, so depending on how he left things, he could try and go back in and try and take it down from the inside. Mm. So you're saying don't take it down from the outside with a mech suit. I'm saying he could do either. He could do that, or he could take it down from the inside by putting on a mustache, reapplying, but with the same credentials. <laughs> yeah, I find this one kind of difficult to have advice for. Um, it really feels like a situation where you do nothing, like, right? Life moves on. Oh, you don't, you wouldn't even do, like, a like an anonymous report to, like, whatever... I don't know what agency yeah. handles this, to be honest. I guess it's... Well, agencies aren't going to do shit about this. This feels more like a local interest piece. Like you tell the mm. journalist, you tell the uh, the gumshoe who works at the paper uh, about it, and th- and they show up with like a notepad and a hat, and they're like, "Hmm, see here now." You know, if they take they're wearing a fedora, they take down the details, and then mm-hmm. they write up a big expose. Mm-hmm. Um. It's just like that movie Spotlight, except instead of Catholic priests raping little boys, it's a restaurant that's not sourcing their food locally. <laughs> it's just like that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a, this this has local interest piece written all over it. That's that has to be the actual advice, right? Um, would you would you feel the unfairness in a real enough way that you would want to like? take time out to go do an interview and try to out this business to like a local journalist or no, but I'm not one of those people that takes like their place of employment as like a personal issue. Yeah. Yeah. Would you talk shit about them to anybody you knew? Oh yeah. If I was working the bar and I'd be like, Oh, you guys went to O'Halligan's last night. Yeah. That place fucking sucks. You know what they're really doing? You can't taste the factory farming in that chicken. I wonder, that feels like most customers would probably have a bad reaction to you shit-talking the restaurant next door. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're next-door restaurant. I don't think it's a Pizza Hut Taco Bell situation. <laughs> Those aren't next door to each other. They're combined. <laughs> uh, famously, it's a combination Pizza Hut Taco Bell. Um, yeah, I guess so. I guess that does sound petty. In a, I, I feel like I've probably heard... Not like huge scandalous things like that, but just general like, oh, you went to this restaurant in Columbia the other night. That place sucks, man. That blah, 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 blah. Mm. A and lot of people do say that about Publica. 
Hey, they don't say that about Publico. Publico's Bracken. <laughs> Are you worried they're not going to let you back in if you talk shit about them on the pod? No, I think I've, I've put their kids through college. I think they're going to let me back in. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, Paul, any last sentiments before we get on to the Anseruno? Uh, no. I think I've meandered enough. All right. Here we go. Dear Farmer's Market, don't worry. Locally grown sweet pea. I'm not going to out your email address and get you into hot water with anyone. I don't think any laws protect whistleblowers who rat to salty waitress. But know your secrets are safe with me. Your identity is still hidden because, sad to say, you could be any one of the countless people working in countless restaurants across the country that peddle these lies to sell $18 salads and $45 pork chops. Farm-to-table bullshit is everywhere. It screws over the restaurant actually doing it right. If you eat food, you are being lied to every day, is only one of the choice quotes from the Tampa Bay Times report from a few years ago. It laid out just how shadily some farm-to-table restaurants do a bait-and-switch with their ingredients. That investigation won a bunch of fancy awards, by the way. It's a damn shame, because there are restaurants like the one where you work, doing it right. What can you do as a bartender to stick it to your former employer? There's not much you can do publicly, unless you want to risk your job. Whether you should have quit that job in protest is a moral decision between you, your conscience, and Alice Waters. But you and your current restaurant can try to work with guests to help them become more savvy. More importantly, know the answers to customers' questions. If you can't answer which farm your fruit garnish came from, or what type of trout is on the menu, it makes your restaurant look like it's trying to pull one over. A few months ago, I ate at a restaurant with expensive salmon on the menu. My friend asked if it was Alaskan or Coho, or whatever, and the server stumbled, sputtered, and eventually told us it was wild-caught, farm-finished salmon. Uh Uh-huh. That kind of shenanigan is a red flag that told me this place either didn't actually care about its ingredients enough to train its staff, or expected them to lie and just come up with something that sounds good. My friend ordered the chicken, by the way. You'll have to convey that, though, without going full Portlandia, and it's a link to what I imagine is the sketch, the uh, series of sketches from the first episode that's really good. If you haven't watched Portlandia, start with episode one. It starts off pretty strong. Even though they're eating a farm-to-table res- at a farm-to-table restaurant, some people just don't care which farm grew the turnips or what breed of chicken laid their omelet eggs. Read the room, and don't talk anyone's ear off if they're not interested. Then it's up to the customers. It's all on us not to just ask questions, but to use our brains. If a cafe is serving local berries in the middle of a frigid February, ask which greenhouse they came from. If the menu brags that the beef is raised in state, ask which ranch it is. And if the server tells you the salmon is wild-caught, farm-finished, maybe write off that place entirely. I disagree with that. I don't think it's the consumer's job to have to question their way into the truth. I feel like places should have to advertise truthfully. That's just my take, but... Mm. You know, I would even say there should be laws about advertising truthfully. There should be laws protecting restaurant whistleblowers? Mm Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, I do support that. All right, cool. Um, Paul, what are you bringing in for us praying? Okay, I'm bringing in a classic, Dear Abby. So I'll just jump into reading it. Dear Abby, my daughter-in-law's mother has a brother who is a pastor. Recently, they held a small Sunday morning service at my daughter-in-law's house. The brother wanted to do a laying on of hands, where he would say a short prayer about each person. When it was my turn, he put his hands on my head and prayed for all my bad habits to be healed. I was mortified. This was in front of my grown sons and other people I know. Everyone has some bad habits, but why would he single me out to shame and embarrass like that? I don't think his intentions were holy. Advice? Damn. I wish they would have given more examples of what they said about other people. Well, I want to know what sort of shit the daughter-in-law's mother is talking about her. 
I guess there's that too, but I also kind of want to know if it was like, I don't know, like a real duck, duck, goose situation where it's like hand over the head of like, I pray for your general well-being. <laughs> I pray that everything in school goes well. I pray that you get your nasty ass habits in order. <laughs> yeah, maybe he did Sherlock it and he saw like her nails were bitten off. Mm. But also maybe the, her daughter's mother-in-law is talking some mad shit. And I think that's got to be the implication. So, probably. Yeah. Damn. Also, I love the idea of knowing a pastor through, like, familiar relations and not through the church. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like those people mm. almost certainly in social settings, especially Protestant pastors, right? Because it's not like a Catholic priest who kind of always gives off a holy vibe because their whole life is like they can't yeah. marry. And they always have, like, this weird aura about them. But I feel like Protestant pastors sometimes just feel like a dude. Yeah, they have strong one of the one of the boys' energy. Yeah. So I could really see them, like... Just kind of using the holy aspect of their pastoral duties to kind of like shit talk or be rude to people that they don't like. Well, I mean, then it becomes a sitcom episode where you have to go back and do another one of these and see what he says about you. <laughs> <laughs> and then that happens at another time and it's weird. And then the third time you purposely you purposefully start a fake rumor about yourself and then see if he mentions that. And that's how the episode will play out. Adrian, let's do We Joined This Woman at her daughter-in-law's uh, mm -hmm. mother's house. And this pastor comes by and negs the other person. How is he negging me? And I'll, I'll tell you how he's going to neg you. Okay. I pray for your general well-being. I pray that you do well in school. Hands on Paul. I pray you get that dirty little dick wet, baby. Come on, <laughs> let's go. Ooh, that is good. He is going to notice my virgin vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he would just go for racism with you because you've got darker skin, especially now after mm -hmm. Guatemala, you're a little bit tan. He would mm -hmm. just put his hands on you. He'd be like, I pray for you to escape your savage ways. I pray for you to stop being such a bad hombre. <laughs> <laughs> What's the, uh, you were telling that story last time about the person at the college who said hola to you. Yeah, yeah. What would be like the Spanish word in that sentence? I pray for you to have wonderful fiestas this year. I think the one that I gave you wasn't, I feel like part of uh, what's nice about it is uh, it's in that nice middle area where it's kind of vague enough, but like also pointed. So I think if I was trying to really recreate it, I would do something where I'd be like, and I pray that you stop frequenting those websites that you know the Lord would not like you looking at. <laughs> that would be a really funny one. Yeah, I kind of like that one. <laughs> to get that from somebody you don't know. Just like assuming you watch porn too much. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's the thing is everyone can be like, wait, is he like gambling or is he like doing porn? Is he watching too much porn? Is he porn sick, little low value male? Yeah, I guess for you, okay, I pray for you to finally find yourself a woman. Ooh. Because that one could be like, is he getting gay vibes or is he getting lonely vibes? Is he mm. getting incel vibes? Who knows? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> what if it was even cattier? What if it was even more petty? He puts his hands on you. I pray for you to find a good barber. Ooh. Well, that's very pointed. That's not even, that's not subtle. <laughs> what if it was like one of those progressive, like Lutheran churches where they're like, okay with having gay people in their congregation? And he's like, Paul, I pray you get queer eyed. <laughs> <laughs> the whole congregation is praying for your entry to queer eyed. <laughs> Has anyone ever actually prayed for you personally, Paul? Yeah, of course. But like, like hands over you or whatever? Mm-hmm. Damn. I thought that was a unique experience that not a lot of people had gotten, but yeah, I had one of those too. I did not like it. 
Yeah, and it's kind of creepy. Dude, it's so creepy. It, I'm not, that's when prayer goes from feeling like asking for wishes, which I like, because I like asking for things. Yeah. To having vibes of someone casting a spell on you, which I don't like. That's goddamn accurate, dude. Uh, it happened when I went to my, um, I went to the church that my uncle went to. So it was like a Spanish church. And at one point, she's praying for me and my mom uh, jointly because we both have diabetes. So it was like a diabetes prayer. And she had her hands on us and she was doing the prayer in Spanish. And she, at one point, she starts like really shaking us. And I was just like, my eyes closed. And I was like, man, this is intense. And I do not like what's going on right now. I can't understand what she's saying. She could be saying anything. <laughs> her instincts to play the maracas kicked in. <laughs> She was like, these two, these people feel like human maracas, and I'm about to play the shit out of them. And I think that's the only time I've ever had that happen. It it was not a, it was was not a frequent occurrence for me. So do do we have any actual advice? I feel like the aura of authority and just like religious power to me doesn't really emanate from Protestant preachers. So I feel like she could have just immediately put her hand on him and been like, and God is telling me that you are not a righteous one. Immediately flipped it on him. You don't think there's an authority to a pastor in church? Maybe to the people there, but I don't feel like, I don't know. Sometimes with like a Catholic priest, you just like feel a little bit mm. of like the vibe is like, damn, this person does have some sort of like spiritual touch to them. But with mm-hmm. Protestant pastors, it really always is just some dude. Yeah. You know, Fleabag season two would not have worked with like a Protestant pastor. Mm. I haven't seen it, but right. is that- You haven't seen Fleabag season two? No. Have you seen season one? Yeah. What? Who watches season one and stops? I know season two wasn't out when I watched season one. But you, first of all, series two. Sorry for our British audience, but uh, well, most of them have committed suicide at this point. They couldn't handle it. <laughs> I have to imagine it's six episodes, Paul. Okay, watch it and bring it for your media roundup next. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you giving me an assignment? I'm giving you an assignment. You can assign me whatever. I can. I'll watch part one of Jesus or whatever. What is it called? Uh, genius. Mm. All right. I'm going to go ahead and read the answer then. Okay. You would feel less abused had you told that tasteless individual how his blessing made you feel when it happened. However, if you have his phone number, it's still not too late. You deserve an apology. And if you are invited to any more of these small religious services, I suggest you politely decline. that's about as much stank as i've seen out of dear abby so yeah it it does seem much less avoidant and polite than her typical advice to like follow Mm -hmm. up and ask them to apologize to you Mm -hmm. i would also want to investigate what shit people were talking about me to that pastor about my habits Mm -hmm. but that's just me yeah, I mean, do you, who do you think you're going to get a straight answer from when you ask around of like, why do you, why, why do you think the priest thinks I have bad habits? <laughs> and that's when you get the answer of like, there was a heroin needle in your arm as it was happening. <laughs> All right, uh, here we go to the third seggy. And uh, it's going to be a, a little simple one this time. Uh, so that was pray. Now we've got to do the love segment. And we're going to do a nice light love segment. We're not some dirty dogs around here. We're just going to take a little love language quiz. Uh, So I don't know if this is the official thing. I I don't know if it's like Enneagram where there's like an actual organization that seems to run it. But this is 5lovelanguages.com. What is your love language for... Oh, it's trademarked. So I I assume this must be official in some sense. 
For couples, singles, teens, and children, take this quiz to discover your primary love language, what it means, and how you can use it to better connect with your loved ones. When you are finished, you may print, share, or save your results for future reference. They will not be saved automatically. Paul, previous experience with love languages. Uh, mostly seeing them in people's online dating profiles. Back when I was a single dog, you know? No, that is true. Yeah. That resonates with me. Do you have any other experiences? I've, I've, I had one ex who she used to mention them sometimes. I had one ex that shared a TikTok of people doing healing touches, and I was like, yikes, not for me. Yikes, Aruno. Um, I had a friend who once talked to me once about him trying to read a book about love languages because he was having troubles with his, uh, with his boo at the time. Um, and then I think my friend Emily once told me that she thought that me feeding people was my love language, which I don't know if that's one of the official ones, but maybe it'd become more colloquial at that point where you could just kind of say like anything's your love language. I feel like, well, I don't know who makes a list of the official ones, but that feels like a love language to me to feed people. I mean, yeah, you don't think like someone's going to start using like abusing it and just being like, you know what? Riding the waves. That's my love language. I'm a surfer. dude. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, not going to see your parents over Christmas is my love language. <laughs> Giving you dedicated space to experience your parents without me <laughs> is my love language. Cool. God damn it. I guess with the eat, pray, love thing, I had to say it too at another point. I think we were talking about, anyways, yeah, about the movie. But yeah, I'm not going to go into my little tirade about how it's a, it's, a, it's a real strong white woman thing. It's real strong white woman energy. Mm, to care about love languages? I feel like I'll say American women. I don't know if it's mm. just white women in America. I feel like a lot of people in the West probably like this sort of stuff. Mm. All right. All right. I don't want to do any kind of erasure of women who are into love languages. So I agree with you, Paul. Let's start this quiz. Mm -hmm. All right. First question. All right. Start the clock. How do you describe yourself? I'm an adult. I'm a teenager. I'm taking the quiz for my child. Who? This you ever just tough. feel like you're not an adult, Paul? <laughs> Let me tell you about it. I like how they subtly put an age limit on it by being like, you're not allowed to take this if you're a child. <laughs> <laughs> if you get this power in your hands, who knows what you'll do if you don't have parental supervision. <laughs> I'm going to describe myself as an adult for the sake of this quiz. Same. Okay, now our paths diverge. I am single. And I'm in a relationship. Paul's got a new boo alert. All right. It's more meaningful to me when someone I love sends me a loving note, text, email for no special reason. I hug someone I love. Oh, real quick. Do you so we mentioned before whether or not you thought feeding people was a love language. Do you know like the official like five or whatever that they use? Like, oh, no, you're not seeing how these like clearly correspond to like my love language is like physical touch or my love. language. I was going to say, I, I know physical touch is one or like acts of service. Yeah, I guess I do know a couple from the pre-stated people really like to put them on uh, dating profiles. Yeah. It just reminds me of a quiz that I took that was one of those career aptitude tests in school where like it just felt so obvious where it was like, would you rather read a book or build a birdhouse? <laughs> I was like, I wonder which one's going to send me to which career. <laughs> yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying. It's like at that point, you might as well give me a list of jobs and just let me <laughs> with a description and just let me take the one that sounds good. I'm going to do hug someone I love. Uh, same. Yeah. It is more meaningful to me when I can spend alone time with someone I love, just us. Or someone I love does something practical to help me out. You know, to be honest, it implied that there was going to be a divergence when it asked if we were single or not. But the only difference is that, like, 
the like sentences are different. Like mine is my partner does something practical to help me out. Uh, okay. Just like gotcha. the noun. Uh, I think for me, the first one, spend alone time. Yeah, I think I'm going to do spend alone time too. Do you want to read this next one? It's more meaningful to me when my partner gives me a little gift as a token of our love for each other. Or I get to spend uninterrupted leisure time with my partner. I'm starting to see my trajectory pretty clear here, but I think I'm going to go with uninterrupted leisure time. Same. I do love things. Don't get me wrong. I am. Don't get me wrong. I am a materialistic person. All right. The next uh, binary options are someone I love does something unexpected for me to help me with a project. I can share an innocent touch with someone I love. Ooh, interesting. Mine was more specific than project. It said my partner unexpectedly does something for me, filling my car or doing the laundry, and my partner and I touch. I guess I assume because it it says that I'm single, it thinks that I'm just always working on a big project. Like it just assumes that single people all have to make dioramas or uh, they have to make models of the solar system. <laughs> what else do you do? <laughs> yeah, the big projects that single people work on, like stockpiling weaponry in their basements and getting a map of the White House and learning the security patrols of White House guards. You know, the type of projects you work on. That you need some practical help with. Um... So I think your second one was worded a little bit differently, but the the whole wording of I can share an innocent touch with someone I love is so minuscule that I feel like I have to choose the other one. <laughs> All right. For this one, it's uh, if someone I love puts their arm around me in public, someone I love surprises me with a gift. Mm-hmm. Partner surprises me with a gift. I don't really like uh, PDA. Yeah, that's, uh, I was kind of on the same page with that. I don't really love the whole arm around thing. Um, famously, a, a, a person who we mutually did not enjoy in, uh, in high school got clowned on by our small group of, uh, people in the same program because him and his girlfriend would eat lunch while he had his arm around her the entire time they were eating. So yeah. he would just eat one handed because he had to make sure everybody knew this was my lady and I'm not going to let anybody near her. <laughs> Um, I'm going to do someone I love surprises me with a gift. All right, Paul, you want to read this next one? It's more meaningful when I'm around my partner, even if we're not really doing anything, or I hold hands with my partner. For me, it's number one. Um, I don't know if I need to be around the person that I'm intimate with just during down leisure time. Well, or I mean, how did it word your second one? Hold hands with a friend or hold hands with a loved one? Oh, it says I can be comfortable holding hands, high-fiving, or putting my arm around someone I love. <laughs> and I think high for the five high-fiving, five I'm going to choose that one. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> I'd cool. rather always be giving my bro a high-five. <laughs> okay, again, I feel like these are just so on the nose. It's more meaningful to me when I receive a gift from someone I love, or I hear someone I love. I hear from someone I love that they love me. Nah, a gift is just too much bigger. Like, right, once you say I love you to someone, it's going back and forth at the end of every call. Like, I would rather have a gift than... <laughs> yeah, they're always like, you know, when you're talking and they, like, it get, it happens so often that they just start doing it in, like, a Woody Allen impression. They're like, I, I love you. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm going to go with gift two just because um, I, I, don't, I don't want this to sound mean, but 
I was not in any way throughout my life starved of people in my life telling me that they love me. So it's not like a thing where I'm like a hardened Boston dude who's like, my dad never told me he loved me. <laughs> so, yeah, I think like, that's it. Not I'd rather that just I'd, get a gift. Yeah, it's just it feels too uh, it feels too small. Like I also had pretty affectionate parents. Mm-hmm. All right, Paul, I'll read this one. It's more meaningful to me when I hear my partner tell me I'm proud of you or my partner helps me with a task. Ooh. Once again, this really feels like like it was written for like a love starved Boston guy who yeah, My dad never came exactly. to the big game and said he's proud of me. This is another one where I was very much not starved of my parents very explicitly telling me that they were proud of me. And so I feel like I don't really know if I I guess it's one of those things where if I was ever explicitly missing from a relationship, I could see it being an issue, but I can't see myself ever really craving my partner, <laughs> my romantic partner being like, Hey, I just want you to know I'm real pr- I'm real proud of you, champ. Mm. also my partner helps me with a task i like that idea doing little tasks is my favorite part of a relationship i just like mm. freaking going and uh you know picking up like uh plants to decorate the house with or mm. you know going and picking up a like a little bit of groceries to cook a new meal with tasks are fun i fuck with tasks mm. i also did that one uh let's see someone i love reacts positively to something i've accomplished Uh, someone i love does something for me that i know they don't particularly enjoy okay that one's kind of an interesting one oh number two really i feel like i'm one of those people where like i'm kind of okay with just not doing things with my partner if they don't enjoy that thing now that i think about it making somebody grit their teeth through something makes me feel bad and then i can't enjoy it it kind of ruins it for me so you're right i but i don't really necessarily like the first one that much but it's really just by pure being set up against something I actively dislike. Mm. I don't really know if I need like somebody to be like, you did so good. In fact, I often feel yeah. patronized when people compliment me. That's what I was saying earlier. What if it's something a little bit, let's say like a little bit more mild and reasonable for two adults. Let's say you cook a good meal and they mm. give you praise for it. Yeah. They're not giving you like a, yeah. Okay. Right. I do like praise for stuff like that. Yeah. But also maybe for the does something for me that I know they don't particularly enjoy, like maybe letting me be car DJ. Mm. Or like anal or something like that. <laughs> yeah, those two equal <laughs> things. <laughs> hey, Paul, I've heard your taste in music. <laughs> <laughs> it's more meaningful to me when my partner works on a special project with me that I have to complete. These so now okay now you're in a now you are in a couple doing projects okay I like that. we do uh, sometimes people in couples have special projects too my partner gives me an exciting gift okay see they're sufficiently changing it with these modifiers this is an exciting gift. Mm, i think i, I like exciting gifts. Robots. <laughs> that actually would be really exciting that's a great gift she gets you whole cans <laughs> yeah that sounds cooler to me all right you can't it's put more... the qualifier exciting on something as soon as it's exciting. I'm so intrigued. I want to know. Uh, I'm complimented by someone I love on my appearance. Someone I love takes the time to listen to me and really understand my feelings. Mm, I don't have that many feelings. So I'm going to go complimented on my appearance. Yeah, you got a lot of appearance, though. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of panache. Uh, yeah, I think I am going to go with understand my feelings. <laughs> Lame. <laughs> um, I can share a meaningful touch in public with someone I love 
Someone I love offers to run errands for me. Wait, I guess I forgot. Is public displays of affection like one of the five languages? No, I think that was just what was against the rules in high school. PDA. <laughs> well, it just really feels like that's like they're really hammering that it's in public that you're getting these like affections or whatever. But mm. I'm also not really like a big touchy feely in public person. I mean, I've said this before, but I was a big door dasher for a while. And I love it when people run errands for me. Hmm. Bring me my food, baby. Yeah, I don't know. This one's a toss-up. Pick the second one. It's also a bit of a toss-up for me, because I think famously I've talked before about uh, how much I don't like the idea of someone shopping for your groceries for you. Yeah, no, I love shopping for groceries. I think it's really fun. It's more meaningful when someone I love does something special for me to help me out. I get a gift that someone I love put thought into choosing. Second one. I'm going to do the first one. It's more meaningful when my partner doesn't check their phone while we're talking, or my partner goes out of their way to do something that relieves pressure on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if I was being crushed by a boulder, I would want them to move it off of me more than I would want them to not check their phone while I'm going, help, help, I'm being crushed. So I'm going to say- they have to go out of their way. Yeah, I'm going to say they go out of their way to relieve the pressure of the boulder crushing me to death. That's a good-ass point. I think I have to go with you on that one. Uh, my partner brings me a little gift after they've been traveling, mm. and my partner takes care of something I'm too stressed to do at the time. Ooh. I love a little travel gift. Yeah, I like travel gifts. I like seeing little knickknacks from other places. Mm-hmm. That really has more to do with I like it when travel gifts and <laughs> anything yeah. to do with And mine partners. is mine isn't traveling, though. Mine is just someone I haven't seen in a while, so I think I'm going to do the second one. Shout out to my boy Adrian for getting me a Guatemalan hat. It's the least I could do. The boy king Adrian. Hey. Was it really the least you could do? Did you buy it at the airport? No, I bought it in a mall, though. Okay, nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it wasn't like a grandma had knitted it on the side of the street? I don't think those are... <laughs> that's how those work either, but... um, All right. It is more meaningful to me when someone I love doesn't interrupt me while I'm talking. Gift-giving is an important part of a relationship with someone I love. Oh, I kind of like a combative person, so I don't really want them to not interrupt me. If they have something more important than what I'm saying, by all means. Yeah, but you meander more than I do. <laughs> so I don't like people just, like, cutting in and cutting and interrupting me. <laughs> I like that your take is that you just have more important things to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Just that I say them more concisely. <laughs> I'm just a more talented speaker is all. I, I think I'm gonna go with the first one. I think. Uh, Shut up! I don't. I don't even want you to finish that thought. All right. I get a hug from someone who I haven't seen in a while. I hear someone I love tell me how much I mean to him slash her. That second one sounds heavy. The way it's worded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that definitely feels more like a deathbed confession. <laughs> yeah. I don't like people dying, so I don't know how to choose that one. <laughs> yeah. In the first one, we've been apart for a while. Where was I? Like Mexico. Was I in Tijuana mm. on the beach with a margarita? I like that. We've been <laughs> apart for a while. What was I doing? That sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like that. I think I think you convinced me number one's definitely the better one. Oh, shit. We're here. I actually got that the most important thing to me is receiving gifts, which I don't think is true. Whoa. <laughs> I'm sure they probably don't paint it in a negative light, but I think, uh, I think how I know how I feel about those kind of people. Uh, number two is quality time. Number three is physical touch. Four is acts of service. And five is words of affirmation. Okay, so not too dissimilar once we like shuffle things around a little bit. 
I'm a quality time, 30%, acts of service, 27%, physical touch, 17%, receiving gifts, 17%, words of affirmation, 10%. I think the reason receiving gifts ranked so highly for me is because it just feels insulting the way they put it up against them to think that like somebody like bought you a thing and like bothered to wrap it up and give it to you. And you were just like, oh, this is nice, but I would have rather you said you were proud of me. Like, you know, there was something about so. it that just I, felt I, insulting I, to pick the other one, even though, like, I don't really expect gifts that often, I don't think. <laughs> I think, I think you're, I think you over-formalized gift, though. Because, like, literally the other day, I went to Phil's place, and he gave me a beer that he bought when he was at Wico last time, because it was Little Guatemala. And he was like, oh, by the way, I bought this for you, you should drink it while you're here. Mm-hmm. But that feels I more soft, that, gift, but that's that feels right, like... It, yeah. it would be more insulting for you to be like, actually, Phil, I wish you just... Told me that you were proud of me. I wish you just put your hand on my shoulder and gave it a little squeeze, right? Like, that feels... <laughs> it, it feels like you're minimizing something that was way more effort for him. Right. To go out and buy you that beer. Is there anything else we need to do to wrap up this quiz? Do we need to read the descriptions for our top thing? Or do they all seem kind of pretty intuitive? Uh, it seems intuitive enough. Right. Um, is there one that you think of as confusing? I, n- no, but I will say this, the little user interface graphic design, acts of service, the design thing is literally like a server's bell. <laughs> like, that you're like, literally your acts of service are like, oh, waiter! <laughs> oh, bellhop! <laughs> well, I guess it's good that they use the hand emoji open for physical touch instead of the fist. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess what I was saying about the formalizing gifts is that receiving gifts is like a very, like, wrapped up with a bow type gift. <laughs> Yeah. So, I guess I could see where your conceptions came from. Quality time is a clockhead, which just makes me of you thinking, like, looking down at your watch, like, no, 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 five <laughs> more minutes of us sitting together. Yeah, um, I think my acts of service was so high because I did gravitate towards a lot of the ones that were like, they do something for you because you're not really feeling up to it. I was like, yeah, I would enjoy that. <laughs> All right, we saving our results for the future so I can show this to my future uh, husband or wife. Mm-hmm. Does it actually print out a little PDF for you? Could you imagine if somebody handed you a PDF of their five love <laughs> languages printed out? <laughs> All right, big facts, no cap. Let's get out of here. Sounds good. Big fact. If you're going to eat, pray, and love, I would concentrate on the eating. That's definitely the best part. If you were to eat, pray, and love, in my opinion, no cap, uh, I would focus on praying. You get to spend more time eating. You know what I mean? <laughs> Damn it. Yours is so much better than mine. That doesn't feel fair. I want to go back and do it again. Uh, if you're going to eat, pray, love, you should love the time you spend praying that you get to eat more. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good note to end it out on. Bye, my boy. I'll see you later, dude. Love you. Love you too. Bye.
Let's go dancing.